It's not cheating. It's ethical and consensual non-monogamy. Poly, swinging, open relationships, relationship anarchy, cuckolding, threesomes, pimping. What? There are so many labels for one simple concept. Enjoying intimate relationships with multiple people. And there are as many ways to enjoy non-monogamy as there are people doing it. Join us June 13th and 14th for a free online event with presenters like Kevin Patterson, Meg John Barker, Dr. Liz, Venus Cuckoldress, and even Lady Daddy discussing what this lifestyle is all about, how to make it happen for yourself, and tips and suggestions on finding your happiness. Learn more at notcheating.com. All right. Welcome to Lady Daddy Talks. I hope everyone is doing well during this fucking quarantine. I think it's like day 28. Honestly, I'm not good with math, so I couldn't tell you what day it is for me. (laughs) I'm losing track of time. But I have a very near and dear friend on this episode. We have Trip, who is the founder of Charlotte's POC Kink Poly Community. Welcome to Lady Daddy Talks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm happy to be here. It's been a long time coming. I know. I am so glad we were finally able to make this happen because what else do we have to do with our time right now? I know, right? I mean, <laughs> can, everybody has plenty of damn time on their hands. Um, some some people have more time than they want on their hands and they're trying to figure out what the hell to do. So uh, You know, I feel like it's definitely a combination of people losing their damn minds because they don't know what to do with it. And then the other half are just like, oh, shit, I now have time to do this, this and that. And I can't procrastinate anymore. Right. There's there's no more excuses. But it's funny because, um, you know, you're finding a lot about uh, people's relationships and how strong they are right now because you're having to spend a lot of time with either your nesting partners or roommates or However that situation, however your relationship with the person you're living with um, is set up, um, and even the ones who are maybe long distance. So you're finding a lot about each other in this moment. It's like, shit, <laughs> I got to see you every day? Like every day. <laughs> like all day, every day. <laughs> so some people are losing their fucking minds. Yeah, and it's funny because... I've had people ask me about even my living situation because I don't, I've never lived with any of my partners, but I have had roommates. And so a lot of people are just like, oh, how are you and your roommate holding up? Like, have you guys killed each other yet? I'm (laughs) like, no, we've actually been doing pretty well. Like sometimes I think we forget like the other one is even here because we're just both like in our own worlds until one of us like steps into the living room like, hey. How's your day been? <laughs> yeah, that's I, what's up. I think it's because we're both um, a little more like, I don't know, we're both like, uh, what is it, Am- ambiverted. Okay. So we tend to have those times where our introversion really kicks in and then we're like, hey, I think we need to socialize a little bit with each other. <laughs> right, 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 right. So that works perfectly for you too. But I mean, I it's so funny hearing... Um, I think I was listening to some radio show or podcast. They were talking about how attorneys are getting more phone calls for divorces or divorce proceedings and things of that nature 
because now they're spending a lot of time with their their spouse. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what the fuck? This person <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah, the ugly truly comes out when you are forced to be with someone. Because I feel like there's a difference when, like, yes, you live with someone and then you are stuck with someone. <laughs> yeah, when you think about being stuck with someone, you're like, fuck, like, we can't go anywhere. Yeah. And I really don't like you. And then speaking of relationships, I am kind of interested in getting into your introduction and the lifestyle and what your honorifics are. Okay. All right. Um, So, ooh, so me getting into the lifestyle is so funny. Um, I've been into kink longer than I even knew what kink was. Um, Because I started being sexually active early in life. And one of my girlfriends in high school, we were dating and we were doing things that we didn't even realize was kinky. We were just spicing it up. We were in a long relationship. And so we were playing with candle wax and tying each other up and using handcuffs and um, using food and all these different things that didn't even realize uh, falls under the kink umbrella. But the shit was just fun. You know what I mean? It was lit. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, I, I kind of got introduced early on. I've always, I grew up in a family that was very um, free with um, sexuality and, and you know, it wasn't taboo. It was something to be celebrated and not really shunned. So um, my, my adventure into kink started around, I want to say my junior year in high school. Um, and then I just got, I got more and more into it. The more I, I learned, it was like a sponge. I just kept soaking things up, um, to the point where I really got deep into the lifestyle after my first marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, the first marriage, my first marriage, I was, you know, I, I was trying to introduce some things to my, my wife at the time and it wasn't a match. <laughs> it didn't go too well. <laughs> and I and I was a newbie, so trying to certain things or certain ways I did shit wasn't probably the most ethical way of doing it. Um, there wasn't a lot of talking about it prior to, so um, so a lot of it is on my end as well. But yeah, so after my marriage, man, we I I dove head first into it and never looked back. And that was around oh nine. Mm. Yeah, I can, uh, I can definitely relate. I know when I was, I mean, wasn't really that long ago, but I can definitely agree and relate to. I think when I kind of just dove into it, and I had a, you know, a lot of like vanilla-ish partners, and I was like, "Ooh, let's do this," and there wasn't like a lot of negotiating, and we would just dive into some shit and like I would just like spontaneously like buy kinky oh god novelties and they're like where the fuck did you get that and who are you (laughs) using that on and I'm like oh I thought maybe you'd want to and they're like no put that shit away (laughs) exactly okay (laughs) (laughs) all right you know you're like you're like the sad guy kicking a can down the road like all right damn it 
<laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely went through a few partners before I was just like, you know what, I might need to dive into this a little bit more and see like, what am I doing wrong? And like, how much more of this lifestyle do I really want? Aside from just like, oh, we just do the shit in the bedroom occasionally. Yeah. And see, and that's the thing. I think for me, I, I'm pretty much, I was the same way, but I've always like read books and like, I was that person in college they had the Karma Sutra books, the Sex Position books, um, you know, different little kinky and dirty, dirty novelties. Um, I would talk to, I mean, because before, before I even realized I wanted to do, to go on to school for sex therapy, I was doing like coaching, sex um, relationship coaching in college mm -hmm. and shit. So, um, so people would ask me, you know, they didn't know how to, to do this or have they thought about that or does this make them weird? So I knew about a lot of things early. And I remember um, one person I was with and again, like you said, not negotiating shit, not bringing it up prior to <laughs> just, just being young and fucking dumb. And we were getting it in and I just like smacked her on the face a little bit. And I was like, yeah, you dirty bitch. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she was like what the fuck did, did you watch some porn did you get that shit from porn and it was like it just killed everything like it was just dead <laughs> i have been very guilty of slapping some people in the fucking face with no negotiation i'm like oh my god i am so sorry we should have talked about this i feel like an asshole <laughs> <laughs> especially like with as small as i am and the motherfuckers i was slapping like i had a lot of nerve <laughs> to be <laughs> slapping some people in the middle of the session with like no negotiation i'm like okay i might need to learn from this before i get choked up right, right, <laughs> in right. a very non-consensual way <laughs> 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 yeah man so yeah so I've, i mean like i said i've been into it for a minute but i've I had to start learning the proper ways to do certain things. And it was so crazy because I was learning how to do certain things. And then I remember when 50 Shades of Grey um, burst on the scene and it made it um, less taboo where, you know, suburban people, suburban wives and, and mm -hmm. shit was, you know, reading it. And they were like, ooh, like it was exciting. And I was reading that shit and I was like, oh, this is some bullshit. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Like, this is, like, great for smut reading, but this is not how this shit goes. Um, so I remember having a conversation with somebody I was dating at the time. And, you know, it helped us to be able to establish some things. And we talked about contracts and protocols and stuff like that. And it, it made it where it wasn't foreign to her, even though she was new. Um, but, man, I, I, I remember reading that shit. I was like, put that shit down. Get the fuck out of here. Put that shit down. <laughs> I never, I never actually read any of the Fifty Shades books, especially because of just like all the stigma that was surrounding it, mainly with just like, okay, it's not a good representation, but I think it was mainly because a lot of people compared it with like the fucking Twilight books and something else. I can't remember what the other one was. And I was like, I wasn't even, you know, I never was the one to even pick up a Twilight book. So why the fuck would I be into Fifty Shades? And then when the movies came out, I, I think it took me a couple of years to finally like sit down and watch it. But it was actually with 
a few other kinksters and we basically just watched it so we could just like bash it and like criticize it together <laughs> just basically like having a popcorn moment so we could just like talk shit about the movie the whole time which was that's really the, fun that's the, that's the best way to watch that movie that's the best way so you can go ahead and it's, it should be like a satire that's yes. the, yeah mm-hmm. even though there definitely have been some people i've I mean, I've come across in the lifestyle and they're just like, you know what, like that, this was my introduction to the lifestyle, but luckily I found other resources that made me realize like, okay, this should not be my only like form of resource for this lifestyle. Right, right. It's like, it inspires people. There's that spark of like, oh shit, I'm kind of curious about this, but it should not be like your only fucking reference since it's exactly. all fiction. <laughs> exactly, all fiction. from Written from a point of view of someone who had no um, introduction or experience in the lifestyle when she first started writing the books. Um, I think she ended up getting into it though. But uh-huh. I think when I know the very first book that she wrote, she didn't have an introduction really. Shocking. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's like you said, it's great as a as a um, a catalyst. Yes. But outside of that, yeah, let it be the catalyst, and then let's go pick up some more resources. <laughs> so then, also speaking on your relationships, how how would you describe? your if you do have any dynamics and how you identify in the bdsm lifestyle so i have submissives um and i'm a dom um so i am polyamorous so I, for those who may not know i'm married um and then i'm i have other romantic bonds and relationships with other people so i have um submissives so I have a submissive, that's my wife. And then I have a um, submissive girlfriend. And so it's like, it's not really any different. I know the, the main thing for um, me and my wife that we've had to kind of adjust is that we just recently had a, a daughter. So um, certain aspects of our dynamic has to shift and change as she's kind of, she was pregnant and then, giving birth and then, you know, after, and now our daughter is, um, you know, six months old. So now we're, we're now renegotiating and it's really cool how that process has been for us because it kind of, it really demonstrates how it's not a stagnant situation. It's ever changing and you have to constantly be able to renegotiate and, and talk about, okay, you know what? I really, really like spanking you really love the bruises and shit but you know what that may not be the best thing for the baby right now so (laughs) you know i don't know if we need to be spanking and shit while you're pregnant um so i mean you had to to really be able to um renegotiate and that's the same in in my other relationships it's like you know we may start here and then it may grow there may necessarily be situations where okay we need to kind of dial it back or something may happen um, where, for me, trust is a really big thing in any type, any type of dynamic. So, you know, there may be a breach of trust or something may happen. And so now it's like, okay, we need to kind of step back a little bit. Let's pull some things back. Let's reestablish and reconnect and rebuild and regrow 
um, our trust and our dynamics so that way we can get back to a comfortable place where we can do um, more things that, that allow you to be a little more vulnerable. So it's ever changing. Um, I don't know if I answered the question. (laughs) (laughs) No, you certainly did. And I love that you, I mean, really broadened on the topic of when it comes to parenting and, you know, being a part of the lifestyle. Because I feel like for a lot of people, that is their hesitation as parents, which is like, okay, maybe we can only do this in the bedroom. And then as soon as we become a family, like all of this has to, you know, cease and desist and we just can't do this anymore. We just have to be vanilla again. But I don't know. I, I just feel like that's a good representation of, you know, just because you are parents doesn't mean you have to stop being kinky. You just have to evolve and just keep, you know, negotiating as you go your changes and even your kinks are going to change. You just, exactly. so I'm, I'm happy that you really touched on that. Cause for me, I sure as hell don't have any kids, but I know for some of those that, <laughs> you know, are listening, they're going to be really happy to kind of hear on that and be like, you know what, maybe I should get into this. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. I mean, cause that's the thing, you know, and that's the conversation like we had, um, you know, like just having, you know, having kids, it does make that conversation like, okay, how will, how will our dynamic look in front of them? You know, if you have a pet name for, you know, whatever part of the slash is going on, are you using that pet name in front of your children? Are you comfortable doing that? Okay. If you're not comfortable, then, you know, what are you comfortable doing? And, and truly having those conversations and, and starting that dialogue. And it may be a situation where, you know, you want, you guys may agree to like, look, we're going to be kinking the bedroom, vanilla in front of the kids. And then it may grow where now you guys are more comfortable. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I can call you kitten in front of the kids or I can call you puppy in front of the kids or, or whatever. Um, and it, it evolves. So it's, it's, like I said, it's the main thing people um, should understand from somebody who's doing it with kids. Um, you know, my partner has a kid, um, or has kids. So it's like, the thing you have to understand is that you just got to figure out what works and it's not cookie cutter. It's not one size fits all. Um, you know, and just where are you at? And, and that may really kind of segues into another topic about, having conversations about sex and sexuality and gender and all these other things with your children. And when are you having that? Um, and that, is, yeah, that is exactly what I wanted to ask you next. Cause I, I realize that's where a lot of the controversy is, which is like, okay, as you know, parents and lifestylers, at what point do you have these conversations or you're just like, you know what, we are never having this conversation with our children, even if they fucking, they're grown and they move out and they want to be lifestylers too. Like some people, it's just so separated, but yet at the same time, I have known lifestylers that they've actually attended the same party with their kids. Mm -hmm. They're just like, this is just how we all grew up and this is how we raised our family and we are just open so it's interesting exactly. to kind of see both sides of that. Yeah, and I'm on the, I guess the the other side, the side you recently spoke to, um, because I'm really I'm I mean as a 
sex educator and as a um, therapist in training, a student therapist, it's, for me, is very important that we have these open dialogues with our children at age-appropriate, um, age-appropriate dialogue. Yes. So, you know, it's important that, like, for me, I have four children. So you're having age-appropriate conversations. You're not necessarily talking about, you know, your, your kinky or your BDSM dynamics at five years old. Like that's, that's, that's not the conversation you're having. Um, yet you can talk about um, consent. You can talk about, you know, genitalia. You can talk about, um, you know, just different things about, you know, kissing and touching and, and what they may see. They may see mommy and daddy hugging um, and kissing. It doesn't mean you need to go and hug and kiss everybody. Yep. You know, that's, that's, so you have age appropriate conversations with your children and you shouldn't be afraid of those because I mean, I guarantee you, if you're not having no conversations with them, their friends or somebody else is having those conversations and you can't control that narrative. So it's best that you have, especially as parents, we have a lot of information we can give them. Um, you know, you be that voice that, to explain certain things. And then, you know, and if you're comfortable enough to, to have your dynamic in front of your children, be able to explain to them in an age appropriate way, in an age appropriate way, what it is, what it looks like. So that way they understand that this is their normal. So. so I guess that brings on the question. So when I mentioned the example of like knowing a lifestyle, um, a lifestyle couple that they go to parties with their child, I'm trying to think, I think she's, she's got to be roughly my age, which for those that don't know, I am about to be 28 next week. Whoop, 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 whoop. And this lovely <laughs> April of 2020. But um, yeah, so they go to parties with their child. And so that kind of brings on the question, if, you know, your kids were old enough, would you be comfortable going to lifestyle parties with them? Or are you just like, listen, we're going to have to find different scenes, but like you do you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm of the, the mindset that I'm okay. Um, it's, I have no shame around anything that I consider to be natural. So, you know, if you, my children develop kinks and they, they want to go, um, or they have kinks and, or they, just, you know, jump into the lifestyle, I have no problem going to, um, scenes with them, you know, and if anything, you know, I want to be able to have those dialogues, that conversation, uh, as they can continue into puberty and, and explore their sexuality that, okay, boom, this is what I like, you know, then that way I can talk to them. Like that doesn't make you weird. Doesn't make you strange. Um, it's, it's typically normal. It's okay. And then let them, once they are age appropriate, help them explore those avenues of what that looks like. Um, so that way they can see other people, but I'm definitely not going to, to tell them, hey, look, you know, I, I, I appreciate what you do, but just do that over there. No, that's not me. <laughs> and I've, yeah. I've had similar conversations with my own partners, but for me, it was a matter of, I guess, um, like our siblings, which is like, okay, like if our siblings or like other family members were in the lifestyle, like how comfortable would we be? And for me, I didn't even think about it twice. I was just like, I'm pretty close with 
my siblings and my family members. So I would be tagging along with them, wouldn't even think about it twice. Whereas a lot of, I guess some of my partners, they're like, uh, we could possibly attend the same party, but there might need to be like some restrictions and some boundaries. I was like, I mean, yeah, there's some things like I may not want to see, but like eventually everybody kind of goes off into a different room anyway. Exactly. But I don't so know. I just what, wouldn't what, fucking what think about it twice. And I'm curious. Um, I know I'm being interviewed, but I'm just curious. <laughs> when you, <laughs> you talked to them, what was their apprehension? So what would they with, want to set a boundary around? I guess it was a matter of their sibling being at a party and their limit was just like, I don't feel comfortable with like what they're wearing. And I don't know if I want to see more of that and Uh, just like other things that may go on. And I was like, mm. for me, I wouldn't give two shits about what they were wearing. But like, if things are starting to look like they're going to get more like sexual and on the penetrative side, like, yeah, sure. Do that shit behind closed doors or like, I'll fucking leave. I don't give a shit. But for them, it's just like, nah, I don't, I don't need to see them wearing this or like if it looks like it's going in that direction. So I don't know. It was just interesting having that conversation and just being on completely ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, and that's, that, that is very interesting. And that probably stems to how we view just the human body, the human form in America. Um, you know, that's pretty interesting. I was just curious. That's what's yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> and so now as we get into more of, I don't know, boundaries and parties, I'm kind of interested with, I don't know, the parties that you attended that eventually inspired you to start your own events. Yeah, so, um, you know, I attended some parties and... um you know, one of the things that I would usually see, it, it just wasn't a lot of um, people of color at these events, um, but it was some phenomenal people, some dope people that, that was willing to help you and teach you and, and give you information. Um, yet there are also some, also some predatory people, um, some people who are going to make you uncomfortable, uh, especially being a, um, a person of color. Um, and for those who may not know, I'm a fairly decent sized um, black guy. So, I mean, I'm 6'2", around 240, 250. So um, you kind of get, what's the word I'm looking for? Not stereotype, but um, uh, the word loses me. Basically, you know, they're, they're already, they're, they're already looking at you a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I can't think of the term, it, it loses me, but um, you, so you start to feel uncomfortable and then, you know, you go into these events and, you know, it may be 50 people there and it may be only like three people of color. Um, and one of the persons may be the person you came with, you know, so um, it, it just became to be a little exhausting at times. Uh, fetishized. That's what I was going. You become. I was going to say it, but I didn't want to put yeah. words in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, you become fetishized. It's like, ooh, you know, I bet you got a big black dick. You be like, whoa, whoa. You don't even know my name yet. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? Like, yo, can we 
have some introduction, please? Like, I need to get a drink. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, um, you know, I, so having those experiences and, and being appreciative of the information that was shared and, and the freedom of that was felt there, I always wanted to see um, more people of color in the lifestyle, more people of color represented. And so when I moved to Charlotte, um, you know, because I was in, I had moved around, I kind of moved to Texas and, and South Carolina, um, you know, I was in North Carolina for a little bit. But when I moved to Charlotte, when I moved back to North Carolina to Charlotte, I kept hoping that, okay, Charlotte's more black people here, you know, there's more people of color here, just in general, you know, it's got to be a vibrant, kinky scene for the people of color. They keep saying that Charlotte's like a mini Atlanta. So I kept wanting to see. And so I was on FetLife and looking and looking and just couldn't really find any people of color events and scenes. Or if they were, it was like, um, you know, hit or miss. Um, and then I also couldn't find, um, being that I am, Polly as well as um, Kinky, I couldn't find anything that was like servicing both. Um, so, you know, after conversation, after deliberation, I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to just go ahead and and spearhead this shit. We're going to start this shit here. Because, I mean, I can't keep waiting for somebody else to do it. Um, yep. You know, and it was like my marketing, I remember my marketing professor, um, you know, one of her things was she would always say, see a need, feel a need. And I was like, well, shit, this is the prime example of CNE Felony. Um, so I was like, well, fuck it, let's do it. And so uh, we decided to do it um, a year. So now we're like a year and almost a year and a half later. And it's grown by leaps and bounds. Um, and I'm very thankful for all of the people that continue to make this thing grow and be successful. Uh, we've, we've developed a, a nice community of um, people. So, but yeah, that's kind of the story. I mean, I, I I was going to events and just didn't see the representation that I would like to see. And I, I got tired of being fetishized. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate on those matters because unfortunately, like, I hate that it's even a global issue because it just seems like no matter where I have gone, I feel like I'm like this undercover agent because I'm like white passing (laughs) so like I'll go to these other events I'm like damn there are like no other fucking people of color and I'm like partial like people of color (laughs) like damn like at least like where the black people at or fucking something right but it's just like no matter where I went it was just the same question would pop up and I realized I also had the same question when it came to like, you know, like queer representation, which is like, mm-hmm. it was just a lot yep. of like straight passing couples. And I'm just yes. like, so I've been kind of going through the same thing with just like, you know what? Like, we're not really, there's just not a lot of like queer groups. It's a lot of like LGBT plus friendly, but I'm like, what the fuck does friendly even mean? <laughs> it's like, like we, okay we cool and everything i mean yeah it's just like that over there though <laughs> yeah it's just like that doesn't fucking mean anything to me after a while i'm just like we need the representation i feel like i've only seen like 
one other group that went out of their way to like host an LGBT friendly and they were like hetero flexible, which don't even get me started on that. Oh, you don't it's, like the hetero flexible town? <laughs> like I get it to an extent and it's usually like for those that are like on a trans non-binary spectrum that like I, I sort of get the like, like at least when it comes to heteroflexible homoflexible i i think i have more of an understanding with it but with heteroflexible i might be a little too old to like try to even <laughs> i feel like i feel like heteroflexible has become oh my god what was it called oh i can't think of the term i was just watching this fucking movie and they're just like oh he's Oh God, it was the term where it's just like a guy that like dresses nicely and he takes care of himself. What was that fucking term? Oh, metrosexual. Yes, I feel like heteroflexible has become like the metrosexual. <laughs> and I'm like, why are we giving people these terms just because like, like occasionally they bend a little bit. But like at the end of the day, they are not just they're not coming out. There's no process to being heteroflexible. There's no fucking identity crisis over it. You're not like t coming out to your parents with like, mom, dad, I'm heteroflexible. I'm heteroflexible. Like, no, that's just <laughs> Oh <not>. my God. <laughs> like I understand even in when it comes to, you know, the science behind it and psychology, but like, yes, I understand that. But like in day-to-day -day conversation, you're fucking straight. I'm sorry. Like I have not met anyone. I even met someone, we went on a date and she told me she was heteroflexible. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? If you were willing to go on a date with me and you probably have intentions of fucking me later right i'm like so, I, I just don't get what that means and i apologize for my ignorance <laughs> and it's yeah no it's not a problem i mean because i know like a lot of the people i talk to that um identify as heteroflexible um once we've had conversations and you know we started talking about um you know the difference between being bisexual versus biromantic and then once you start explaining that, and they're like, oh, well, maybe I'm not necessarily heteroflexible. Maybe I'm just bisexual. Um, because usually I've encountered, um, and it's usually women that I encounter that are saying they're heteroflexible, meaning that, you know, they'll fuck with a woman, you know, sleep with her if, you know, the feeling's right or if they just want to. They don't want to have a relationship. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. And I was like, so you're just not bi-romantic. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was a term. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. And, and so that, yeah, that is why I used to identify as pansexual because I knew bisexual didn't really I don't know, like it just didn't really relate with me. Mm -hmm. But then when I started seeing the distinction with being like bi pan romantic and sexual i started to get really uncomfortable i was just like but i'm both like i can be both romantic and sexual so if i start telling people i'm fucking pansexual does that mean they think like i don't want to date these people either so i was like fuck it i'm queer especially also because i'm on like a non-binary spectrum being gender fluid mm. i'm like queer just kind of relates more to me but fuck i as much as i love 
labels, this shit gets really complicated. <laughs> it, it can. And that's why it's one of the things, you know, I just try to, you know, listen to people and kind of figure out what it may mean for them and then work from there. You know, I, I, I guess it's a saying, you know, meet people where they are. Um, and let's, let's just work from there. So you may not necessarily have the terminology, but if we talk about it, let's, let's kind of figure out where you are and then, you know, we'll just go from there. And that's, that's the same thing we do in the group, man. I mean, because, I mean, you know, Lady Daddy, I, I'm pretty sure you've seen sometimes we have people that come into the group and, you know, people are like, so what do you, how do you identify? And they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think I'm poly. I maybe can't, I don't know. And, and you know, <laughs> trying to figure out uh, where they they lie in in this whole dynamic process. And, and then, you know, a lot of times we're able to, help give them some clarity. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. Cause I mean, we're all trying to figure this shit out. You know <laughs> I mean? Yes. Even great. those with the most experience, there's still so <laughs> much that we have not explored cause we have so much time. <laughs> exactly. So nobody has all the goddamn answers. We're all just figuring this shit out as we go. You know, so. And so speaking with the group, what, I guess what can people expect with the kind of events that you wish to provide to the community? So that's one of the things I'm really, really excited about. Um, you know, when I started the, the group, I wanted to find, I wanted to create a safe space uh, for people of color who were, you know, who identify as either polyamorous or kinky or just some version of non, non-monogamous. Um, but I definitely do want to, you know, tailor to the polyamorous cr- um, crowd. Um, and so we do meetups for everybody just to kind of get together, um, you know, have drinks, socialize, get to know each other. And, you know, before we would meet once a month and we'll meet at um, the rabbit hole. Now that we're on this quarantine lockdown situation, we're still doing virtual um, meetups. So we'll all get together on, um, you know, either Zoom or, 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 or whatever, and just, you know, talk and have, um, you know, conversations. And so we're doing the, um, the meetups as soon as we are able to, and we may even um, possibly try to figure out how to do this virtually. We want to hold some, um, some play parties and some munches. So um, munches are more kink-specific uh, meetups and play parties we want to do where where we're doing some education but also most importantly giving a safe space for people of color to come out and play not just i mean if you want to watch that's cool and you know you can get your voyeur on by all means but we want you know to where if you want to figure out you've never been spanked and you want to go somewhere in in a safe environment um be spanked or be flogged or or be on a cross or on a wooden horse or um you know experience a fucking machine or, or whatever like i want to have a safe environment for for um people of color to be able to either indulge in their kinks um and you know one of the things we've talked about is having like um different themes um so you can indulge in your kinks, learn about different kinks, see other people that look like you, um, 
you know, same cultural background and things of that nature. So that way, you know, this is normal. This is, this is not something that's, you know, I can't stand when I hear this shit. That's that white people shit, you know, WPS. Um, <laughs> I can't stand it. So this is, this is a human, it's just being human. We all have kinks. We all have different things we like. Um, you know, even some vanilla people don't realize they do some kinky shit until you start explaining it to them. Yeah, you, you pulling hair and choking. I mean, that's, that's kinky. Um, and so just having it where the pe- people of color can understand that this is okay. Um, we're also talking about doing some poly speed dating. Um, you know, a lot of polyamorous people I know are trying to meet other polyamorous people, um, you know, just so they can either befriend them, um, form a community of support, or even, you know, they're looking to date. Um, you know, I know, um, <laughs> my partner would, would feel some type of way because I know she's probably going to think as soon as I say this, she thinks a unicorn, honey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I do want to, to give a place for, um, polyamorous people of color, whether you're already coupled up or if you're in a triad or a quad or however your dynamic structure is, or if you're solo poly that you can have a place where you can meet other um, polyamorous people um, that is outside of the kink events. So we're going to be doing um, those type of things for polyamorous people, as well as poly table talks, you know, because like we were talking about earlier with BDSM and parenting, you know, poly and parenting is another thing that, you know, people may want to figure out how they can navigate or where do you start? You know, polyamory 101. So we're going to have different, um, um, we're talking about doing virtual poly table talks so that way we can still have this um, take place amidst all the COVID-19 because I mean you know, when the ship you know clears out you know people will be looking at to mingle again so yeah. we could arm them with more information um, so those are some of the things preliminary that we're talking about doing and we're constantly looking to expand and explore um, so that's that's in a nutshell. I did want to kind of dive in a little bit on like what would be your definition of creating a safe space for people of color? Like what does that look like? I guess in like a broader sense, especially in poly kink spaces, like what does that look like? How would you define that? Especially for like, um, I guess like, white allies and like event hosts that need a better Uh, understanding. So a safe space for people of color is a space that is where you're intentionally looking to um, make people of color comfortable. And it's not a second thought. It's not an afterthought. It's it's where, you know, um, just like where when it's, LGBTQ plus um, a safe space that this is a space dedicated for those individuals so that where you can feel comfortable, you can, you can come and be who you are. You don't have to put on any airs. You don't have to tiptoe around. You can be, um, be yourself. And, you know, speaking specifically for kink or BDSM and, and poly, you know, to know that you have people that look like you, that understand the things that you're going through. And there may be some that 
have walked it for longer times and one that's new, but we all are in it together. And so for, you know, non-people of color allies and event organizers, one of the things that you guys can do is to, you know, not make it an afterthought. Like, you know, we already know that most uh, predominantly in a lot of these spaces is going to be non-people of color. And you can go out of your way to invite and influence the, the, the organizational structure, maybe include people of color presenters um, that then can reach out to that network. Um, even, I mean, if you have an event and you have three presenters, it doesn't hurt to have one of those presenters to be a person of color that can mm-hmm. then spread your, spread that event to other people of color. And you're going to be able to impact more people. So as a person of color, you know, creating that safe space for us is um, contacting people of color, you know, queer, uh, non-binary, gender fluid, all these people and making sure they understand whether it's BDSM, whether it's kink, you know, you're a person of color. This is a safe space for you to come talk, um, interact and, and, you know, develop some intersectionality with other people that, that may look sound or understand your cultural um, dynamic. Ah, my favorite word, intersectionality. (laughs) (laughs) Because you definitely speak on like the difference of being proactive and fucking reactive and just having this not be an afterthought because you just always, I, I think I spoke about this in a previous interview which is like there just seems to be a lot of like event organizers that they just they kind of just like leave the door open and they just like stick something under the door and they're just like everybody's welcome but like no one's there doing any of the greeting right and it's just like you have to do fucking more than that or it's just like it's just like okay well at least we had like one or two people of color and like that should be fine this is like no because did you really like ask how their experience was and maybe question like why they haven't fucking come back since exactly (laughs) it's just like oh my gosh we haven't seen you in like a year (laughs) yeah about that (laughs) and that's the thing you i mean those event organizers have to be able to start looking inward um being introspective and trying to see okay if we're saying this event is for quote unquote everyone why do we only see a certain type of people here yes preach it (laughs) then then once you start having that conversation then hopefully that will spark again catalyst um that will be the catalyst to go ahead and say let let me start reaching out to people that may not look like me, that may not sound like me, that may not have the same cultural or economic um, background and figure out what I can do to get those types of people to my event. Because mm-hmm. if I genuinely care about the whole entire community, whether it's polyamory or BDSM or kink, um, then that's the type of work that I must do if I'm going to consider myself an ally. If you're not if you're not going to do that type of work, don't call yourself an ally because you're not. <laughs> Truly, you know that fucking part. <laughs> you know because I mean, if you if you want to get technical about it, I mean, think about it in war times. 
you're not an ally if you're just sitting on the sideline like, hey, yeah, by the way, I see you fighting over there. I mean, you know, you ever need some help? I mean, just uh, I guess we'll come through. But, I mean, just just know we're always here. Mm, nah, you need to be in the front lines with us. We're in the trenches. If you're in the trenches with us, you're an ally. If you're fighting with us and you're trying to figure out what can be done to make things um, easier and more accessible and better, and yes, you consider yourself an ally. But if you're just half-ass doing it and saying, well, you know, I mean, we said it was for everybody, you're not an ally. Damn, and there is a really good quote that just came to mind, and I cannot remember it. I feel like it's a Martin Luther King quote, because if it's not, I'm going to feel real bad. <laughs> but it was basically just, I don't know, to kind of summarize it, it was just along the lines of, like, if you – you know, if you're just sitting along the sidelines, like, you're not really a part of this fight. You know what? Now I'm starting to wonder if it was Malcolm X. Damn it. I cannot. I'm going to remember this quote. I'm just going to have to put it in, like, the bio notes later of this podcast. <laughs> yes. I don't know what quote you're talking about. I, I'm trying to remember it myself. It's going gonna, it's gonna to pop up later. I'm going to have to look it up on Google later because that's what I do best. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, but that's that's definitely, and I guess that's gonna rack my brain because I know exactly what you're talking about. But I I don't want to fuck it up. I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think I think that's my main thing is I do not want to misquote. <laughs> like that wasn't what he said. Hey, hey, hey my bad, my bad. <laughs> Something like that though. <laughs> but yeah, then, so um, that's that's for me creating a safe space. Um. You know, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, just making sure you're not, you're not being um, a prey preyed mm-hmm. upon unless this is something that you are consenting to do. If you're consenting to be preyed on and this is a whole primal kink, then okay, that's different. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just coming to have a good time, get my voyeur on, maybe you know, see some demonstrations and things of that nature and, you know, and you say some shit like, hey, you know, I, I bet you got a big dick and you ain't even say, hey, how you doing? Like, the people don't want that. Hey, like, that's that's not how this works. So. And um, now, that actually makes me think, how would you explain, like, other examples of fetishizing people of color? Because I think some people, like, they don't even aware that they're doing it until somebody calls them out and they're like, oh, shit. Or they're just like, well, you know, if it's kinky, like, why why is it even considered, like, a non-consensual, like, you know, fetishization? And it's just like, but what other examples would you give? Which is like, yeah, you are definitely fetishizing someone that, like, didn't consent to this. So, you know, I've heard stories... Um... I can't really speak to this as firsthand knowledge, but I've heard stories from um, some female identifying individuals who uh, were black, uh, mm-hmm. African-American, however you want to say it, um, of the diaspora. And they go to a play party, you know, they're dressed up and they may even have, they may be a submissive and they may have a dominant. Their dominant's not with them at the time. They're dressed up in, you know, head to toe and whatever the dominant wants, but they may, it has some leather on it. So somebody walked up to them 
And we're like, you look like an angry bitch. I know you're a mean black bitch. And she's like, what the fuck? No. <laughs> oh and and I can understand you may think that this person is a, is a dame, you know, from maybe her attire, but you hadn't even said hello. You hadn't, like, that's not cool. And so automatically, red flag goes up like, so what? what is this? You fetishizing that I'm, I'm a uh, statuesque black woman and so I'm automatically angry and and domineering like so you know because there's always this, this stereotype of the, the whole angry black woman thing mm-hmm. you, know, so, you know you have that type of um, fetishized trope running around um, what is another one that I've heard or if I, I'm trying to think of something I've experienced because a lot of a lot of my things were more on my size and my stature, so it's like, oh, you know, I I, I bet you, you know, you could, I can be your white slave and shit. Like you, like what the fuck, like dude, like first and foremost, I'm 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 heterosexual, and <laughs> like you hadn't even talked to me yet. Like like come on, like don't even get me started on fat life also, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just speaking about play parties, though, but um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I know um, a lot of times it may necessarily be, oh, here's another one. Um, it was an Asian, Asian person, an Asian woman I know that was being fetishized as a, um, fuck, what is it called? Geisha. Oh. And I was like, wow, like they really reached like deep down. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn, like <laughs> that's why I had to think about it. I was like, what the fuck is the term? Um, I've I've heard that happen. Um, where, you know, somebody asked if they want if she would, you know, paint her face a little more paler and and, do, and I was like, Well, you know, it's it's okay if we have a relationship and we've discussed and we're talking about these are my kinks and things of that nature. But when you don't know someone um, for the people, for the non-people of color, if you don't know someone and you haven't, they haven't consented to certain things that you haven't had a conversation, you know, when you off the cuff mention and start talking about ethnic um, features or stereotypes and things of that nature, they're going to, in a, in a kink environment, they're going to feel fetishized. That's yeah. just off the muscle. And so, you know, you wouldn't want somebody to walk up, or, or like I, I would hope you wouldn't want somebody to walk up to you and say something um, kinky to you based on your ethnicity, you know, whatever it may be, you know. So, um, you know, so I guess the easy way to get um, non-people of color to understand is until you've had a conversation with that person, until you've gotten to the point where you can negotiate then don't bring that shit up. And I think that's just a safe rule across the board. Yes, um, a fucking word. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you haven't, uh, and this is for um, my heteronormative uh, male-leaning partner or brothers that may be listening to the podcast, if you haven't spoken to this person or gotten to the point where you can ask them and get them to consent, to seeing your dick, then don't send them a dick pic. <laughs> you know, whether that's fat life or whatever. 
like like get some consent you know kind of figure out because i mean because this whole bdsm structure is nothing without consent and Um, boundaries you know and if you start you know crossing crossing people's boundaries you're really fucking up and you're causing damage and then speaking of some uh, controversy, I'm kind of curious, what are your thoughts on race play? Because some people are either, I mean, they just don't even want to talk about it. They're disgusted with it, especially when it comes to people of color. Or they're just like, eh, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But like, that's not me. Or there's <laughs> a few that, I mean, they dabble in it. They just don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so here's my thing. Um um, let me speak on me personally. Me, personally, it's not my thing. Um, I don't rock with it. Um, I don't care for it. Yet I'm of the ilk. If it's not hurting children, elderly, or or doing harm to 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 the person involved, and they're consenting to it, then go for it. Um, it's just not my thing. I'm not going to kink shame someone who does. You know, I don't rock with it. Um, you know, and just because you may rock with it or um, your partner may rock with it doesn't give them, again, back to that consenting piece, If until you know if someone else rocks with it, don't automatically assume they do. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, that shit's not for me. Um, I'm just gonna be like straight. I ain't even about to be PC about that shit. That shit ain't for me. It's too too loaded. Um, too much history. Um, you know, it's yeah. I've been in for. I've been to fight somebody. That, that shit. Yeah. But <laughs> if again, like I said, if that's what somebody likes, then have at it. Um, you know, just I I just want to make sure that. Um, it's a consensual situation. If they consented to it, they are in the right mind. Then, of course, let them have have their um their cake. Mm. Yeah, that's. Mm-mm. I mm. I definitely I definitely agree with that. It's it's not my kink, but I won't kink shame others that are into it. And I mean, I've. I've talked about that with my partners too. And I, I realized like the first time it's, it's not even like it was like intentional race play, but it was just like a minor comment that was made that like reassured me that like race play was not my thing. And I think we talked about this in, in the, um, in our group chat where like someone makes like a minor comment. I don't know. That's, trying to think because like with a past play partner uh they were using like they were using a uh, a black dildo and mm-hmm. for some reason when he was like just like describing this like black dildo being used on me and this was like with a white guy and I just got so uncomfortable but just like, yes, I see that the both of us are using this fucking like black dildo. Like, can we please not like focus on this minor <laughs> detail? I just, I became so immediately uncomfortable and I didn't know how to explain it at that time. So I didn't really like 
safe word out of that situation until, you know, it was done and over. I just kind of brushed it off. And I think I mentioned it later, which is like, could we not ever focus on like this minor detail of whatever fucking color like dildo we ever use again? And he was just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like I didn't really realize. And I'm just like, yeah, like it's, it's fine. I just, I didn't realize it was like a problem for me until it was happening. Right. I'm just like, let's not, whereas most people like you just you don't even think about it. You're just trying to build up this visualization and have a great time. And I'm like, mm, that actually killed the mojo for me. <laughs> <laughs> This don't kill my vibe. This don't yes. kill my vibe. And, I, and I killed the vibe. And that's what I'm saying. Like, But in your, in your scenario, I think it's dope because you guys were able to have a conversation and it wasn't it wasn't deliberate. It was just something that like, hey, this triggered me. Um, let me bring this up to you. And then it's like, oh, shit. Okay. That's what's up. That's, yeah. that's a great opportunity. Um, I think it's a great story. It may not have, you know, it killed the vibe in the moment, but you know, you hear so many stories of people bringing up situations like, yo, this is, that shit kind of triggered me and, you know, I'm not really in the race play. And they're like, but what? I was just doing blah, 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 blah. Okay, you're not getting it. <laughs> you're clearly not getting it. Like, this shit's not cool with me. Don't do it. Um, So at least you did have that. But no, that, that shit is not for me. Um, yeah, ooh. But yet, like, at I, the same time, with uh, <laughs> with one of my current partners, <laughs> it's going to sound so bad, but it's hilarious. So we have an inside joke because he is very Southern and I am such a Yankee, but he would always like, oh God. So he has a very like, I always joke that he kind of sounds like Forrest Gump and he's from Alabama. So he still has that very like Southern accent. And he yes. would always just like make jokes about me being a New Yorker. So he would start saying dead ass. And uh, like, seriously, fucking imagine Forrest Gump saying dead ass. And, it is, <laughs> and I was just like, please do not like appropriate my culture like that is just wrong and so <laughs> it just became like this whole inside joke and I was like listen here colonizer and so <laughs> because it was definitely I think it was like a yeah maybe like a year after Black Panther came out so I was like listen here colonizer and then it became this whole inside fucking joke where like he would just continuously just like Whatever fucking New York slang he could think of, he would say it. I'm like, okay, you were just like assimilating my culture and like, <laughs> I don't appreciate this. And so now, like, he's become, because like, I think I kept calling him colonizer. He was like, uh uh, it's not colonizer, it's colonizer. And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and so I, I changed his name in my phone to Colonizer. And then he changed my fucking, uh, my name to like the Colony B. And I was like, I fucking oh, hate shit. you. <laughs> so like, if that's the only form of race play that like him and I get into, that's as, that's as deep as it's going to get for me. <laughs> hey, see, that doesn't sound as bad. 
<laughs> Even though it makes me cringe every time he says dead ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's not as bad. But I can only imagine hearing him say dead ass. Like that's that's gotta be something. <laughs> and he only he only do he like he only does that shit with me and like certain people he knows he'll like get away with it and then he's like oh my god it doesn't sound that bad when he fucking says it i'm like please don't egg this man on <laughs> we've had this inside joke for like two fucking years now and like i'm wondering when it's gonna fucking end <laughs> when is it when is it gonna die i need this shit to die because this shit is dying a slow death right now <laughs> But yeah, so no, yeah, the whole race break thing is um, is definitely a hard no for me. That's that's a very hard no. I mean, <laughs> shit. I'm gonna just keep it real within my own dynamics, and I'm operating within um my people of color spectrum. I don't even use the n word, and I don't uh, I don't like for my partners. To, I don't even care if it's the heat of the moment. Like, don't don't use the n word on me, like. So, yeah, hell no. Like, that's a, that's a hard no for me. See, and I remember when we first had this conversation, because I'm the complete opposite, where right, I, right. Oof, <laughs> I say it all, ooh, I'm so bad about it. Especially, like, I have to be hyper aware because I'm white passing. And I'm like, and I, I talked about this with a few people recently, which is like, I have definitely, I've, I've gotten the looks and I have been checked with just like, bitch, like, what did you just say? And I'm like, whoa, wait. <laughs> but like, I know the consequences. Like, if someone wanted to deck me and ask questions later, I would not even be mad. Like, I am aware of the consequences of saying it. Whereas I feel like, actual white people that say it like they don't even think about the consequences because they're just like i know my fucking freedom of rights and fucking freedom of speech and blood and it's just like it's not even about that like it's so right. much fucking deeper than that when you say it so yeah. i i don't check other people when they say it but i just tell people hey just know there's consequences maybe with your black friends they might let it slide, but please know not everybody is your fucking black friend and somebody might fucking deck you and ask questions later. Or they might just, <laughs> or like they might fucking press you and you're going to get real uncomfortable with that heated real, ass conversation. Exactly. Exactly. We about to make this real motherfucking uncomfortable. <laughs> like, hey, the fuck you just say? <laughs> it's real. I usually just give people a look and if they don't catch on, then I'm like, all right, somebody's going to fucking check you, but it's not going to be me because uh, I know somebody's about to. Yeah, and the educator and me, I'd be ready to check motherfuckers. I'd be like, hey, so what, what was that you said? <laughs> Come I, think for, I think for me, like, I just tend to get insecure with just like, okay, like, what if they don't take my blackness seriously when I have this conversation with them, which is like, oh, well, you're not even like that black anyway. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to have this conversation with them. Like someone else is just going to have to. <laughs> but I think that's just like my insecurity with like why I don't check white people if they say it, but they know, they know my stance on it, which is like, right, mm. right. <laughs> Hey, we got you. Don't even worry about it. We got you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's back up. <laughs> so, yeah. Safety in numbers. Safety in numbers. Truly. And so, I guess to kind of jump into 
I guess when it comes to, I don't know, more of like current times dealing with COVID-19 and how it's affecting, I don't know, like our, our, like our relationships and the kink community, how would you describe like how it's been affecting, I don't know, affecting how you run your events and even how it's interfering, like interfering with your dynamics and relationships? Oh shit, this shit is, I mean, it's, it's a necessary evil. Let me say that. Let me not, not, um, you know, sound unappreciative of the people that's putting their lives on the lines and make sure everybody's okay. Now that I've got that shit out the way, um, this is some bullshit. Like, <laughs> could we not have like prepared sooner for this shit? Cause I'm really fucked up. Like it's really pissing me off. Um, you know, so for events, we we're, we're being smart and we're being proactive and we're doing online events. Um, but, you know, it's kind of difficult to do play parties online. We're going to figure that shit out. Um, I have, you know, luckily I have some friends who are, or associates who are sex workers and they are taking their talents online. Um, but it's hurting that community. Um, you know, and a lot of these people depend on these tips um, so, you know, so, I mean, you got people that can't strip and shit. Like, I mean, I guess you gotta do virtual stripping now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so this, the, the whole COVID-19 situation is really, um, taking a hit. And for us, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out different ways to still be social, to still grow, um, and you know, so often a lot of a lot of people are looking to be able to see other people that look like them to kind of be in that proximity, and not having those physical outlets, um, I think is kind of slowing some involvement for us. Um, you know, yeah. And then on a personal standpoint, um, you know, it's great that I I have my wife, and you know, we're nesting partners, and um, so we live together, you know, you know, I have a partner in another state. This is like, you can't see, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, so it's like that, that's, that relationship, you know, has to figure out how to, how to grow and evolve and, and do some things differently. And that puts, it puts stress there. Um, and then, you know, not only just with uh, romantic relationships, but then, you know, all my intimate relationships I have with all my um, deep and close and personal friends, you know, those not being able to see those people. So it's, it takes a toll. And, you know, I think the thing that's gotten us through was just figuring it out, looking at this like a challenge and, and trying to see, okay, how can we overcome this with the resources that we may have? And um, it may not be the same but we can still do something and we can, we can still interact in some type of way. So we've been, you know, figuring it, figuring it out and doing a little things. And, um, you know, we might even need to do like a, now I'm sitting here thinking about it, almost like a kinky trivia. Ooh. You know, I think that might be cool. We can do like a kinky trivia and then, um, or like a 20 questions or I've never have, and then, you know, everybody have like some wine or some alcohol or something. Uh, huh. 
Good. I'm glad that this interview has inspired some new ideas. <laughs> good talk. Good talk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Lady Daddy. <laughs> so, yeah. Would you, would you be able to give listeners, I guess, like any advice or tips when it comes to maintaining relationships and dynamics with those that are not your nesting partners because i feel like that is just the main thing that most people especially in the non-monogamous community or just even if they're kinky and they don't live with their partners like what advice and tips would you give them with i don't know just maintaining the day-to-day so one of the things that that has helped um, me is constantly communicating and reaffirming um what's going on with your dynamic and different ways that you can still explore your dynamic. So whether that may be virtual play dates, um, you know, um, giving instructions is, is something that can kind of still help you feel connected to your, your, um, your partner or your, or your dynamic partner or whatever. Um, giving instructions, you can, um, give different tasks, you can set a routine, um, and then, you know, watching TV shows together, or movies together, or, um, gosh, what else? Um, I know toys, if you can, if you can get your hands on some interactive toys, this is, and for those couples and partners that do have those this is like a prime time for that as well. Um, and that can help. So, but I mean, it's, it's, oh, cooking things together. Oh, that's another one. Even though I can't um, cook for shit. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I mean, that's what, that's the thing. Maybe you have a partner that can, and mm. then you guys can cook, you know, you can have almost like a, a, a mini cooking class or even a erotic cooking class. Um, I like the sound of that. Yeah. You know, where it's like, okay, maybe today we're going to go ahead and make um, spaghetti. And, you know what I mean? And then we're going to make it from scratch or something. The way you said it even sounded erotic. (laughs) 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 I have some practice. (laughs) So, So, I mean, you gotta, you have to kind of think outside the box. Um, you know, I was reading an article today that you can do like um, a little sexy um, heads or tails game, you know, and you can do that virtually. Um, heads, you do this. Tails, you know, I would have to do something that you suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something you can do virtually. So it's, you know, just kind of really being, um, I mean, shoot, you can even probably do like strip poker virtually. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, an app on your phone or something. Y'all play a hand of poker together, and but you can also FaceTime one another or Skype or, you know, whatever, Zoom, and, you know, have a strip poker session. So it's different things you can do. You're just going to have to kind of think outside the box, um, you know, so that way you can kind of keep it fresh. And these are, honestly, when I think about it, 
these are some things you can kind of keep going um, mm-hmm. if you do not live with your partner um, that you can have these like nights that hey I may need to you know we may need to stay where we are or you're out of town and let's do this so yeah and then I guess on the opposite end of that coin for those that actually do have nesting partners how do you what advice would you give from I mean not driving each other fucking crazy (laughs) um I guess my main advice for that is is to respect respect each other's um space respect each other's space um you know respect that your partner needs their own um level of of What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it slipped my mind. But basically, you you give each other an opportunity to, I guess, do things separately, and then like you like you were saying with your roommate, come together as well and spend time. And then that way, you're still valuing the time you do spend with each other, even though you may physically be in the same space um, all day long. And so, you know, if your partner is working from home or, or, or partners, if you're in a multiple living um, or nesting arrangement and everybody's working from home, then, you know, kind of respect their space and then, you know, have a, a set time. Okay, boom, at six o'clock, we're all going to meet up and do this or we're both going to meet up and do this um, or, you know, hey, let's all take our lunch break at this time. You know, so that way you still, you know, enjoy. It's almost like you don't get a chance to take for granted that you have more time together. You're actually working it in a different way where you're looking at it like, you know, we still need to set out this time together and make sure we're, we're being um, uh, uh, not specific, but intentional. Mm-hmm. with the time that we, we we have together. So that would be my advice. Um, so that way you don't go stir crazy and you don't drive each other crazy. Um, find things and, you know, find little hobbies that's going to keep yourself occupied so that way you don't have to lean on the people you live with. Mm-hmm. That's, some, that's definitely some solid advice. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Now, I definitely want to get into one of my favorite portions where I ask about a shit show story. So usually this involves whether like something that has just gone wrong, left, just not according to plan, whether it was an event that you have hosted or maybe an event that you attended and you're just like, holy shit. Or maybe it wasn't as minor, but it's worth mentioning. Okay. Um, and I was thinking about this, and I was like, yo, that's um, that's a tough one, because I was trying to figure out what it was. But it's not as funny. But I know when we were trying to plan our first play party with the group, I really felt like it was a shit show. I was like, <laughs> yo, just trying to get everything together, find a venue, um find a venue where it wasn't they weren't trying to charge us out the ass um 
you know, and me being me, I'm trying to be above board with everything. So I'm eating these vanilla ass um, space providers and telling them what we're talking about doing. And, and you can just see them with this look like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> and it seemed like I was hitting roadblock after roadblock, like, or people were like, yeah, we can do that. We're going to have to charge you like a thousand dollars. You're like, what the fuck? What? Um, you know, and trying to figure out, you know, ticket prices and, you know, because we were having to pay for venues and like, it was, it was a lot, man. It was a learning experience. Um, and, you know, not really appreciate all the people involved and, you know, we actually was able to do one on a smaller scale that actually was pretty successful. Mm -hmm. Um, but man, that, that was in my opinion. And I, and I, and I know it's more likely because I I'm I like to achieve goals, and if I'm if I'm say I'm gonna do it, I wanna I wanna go ahead and knock it out. And we didn't get a chance to get it done the way I envisioned it, so it was like, yeah, this is this is definitely a shit show. Like I, I really kind of fucked this one up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how can we learn from it? All right, yeah, that's down. Kind of fucked it up. So you know, we learned from it. Um, got something on a smaller scale together. And it worked out, but man, that that first initial iteration, that was a tragedy. <laughs> and I mean, it's still a pretty relatable shit show because trying to find venues for these particular parties, it's, fuck, that's hard. Shit is hard, man. Especially when you are dealing with vanillas or just people in the lifestyle in general, it's just there's a lot of effort that that takes and just a lot of fucking planning. But mainly, oh God, mainly when it comes to vanilla spaces that you're trying to use for kink events, and you're just like, well, these are the kind of things that will happen, <laughs> and uh, we need the space. Yeah, yeah. Without like giving too much information away. Right, right. You Unless know. they happen to be king friendly or just like, man, just fucking pay us and we're not going to pay you no fucking mind. Just don't bother like these other people and just like keep right. it on the low. Exactly. You know, <laughs> but, but a lot of times they're like, so you're going to be doing what? <laughs> yeah, you know, like kinky and, you know, we may have some demonstrations, some education. You know, you kind of throw that out there. Um, you know, kind yeah. of disarm a little bit. <laughs> and so, so about these demonstrations, I mean, will will people be nude and and stuff? And uh, well, they could be inside. You know, we'll make sure to keep it, you know, tasteful and tactful. You know, walking up because I know you got, you know, neighbors and stuff. So, I mean, will you guys be doing? Will you guys be selling sex? Are you, is this like a prostitution thing? And I'm sitting here like, what the fuck? What? No. And then I was like, so have you ever read Fifty Shades of Grey? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and you see this like little light bulb go off. You're like, you nasty motherfucker, you. Uh-huh. <laughs> you kind of like this shit, huh? But you, want, you was judging the shit out of me just now. Um... But then they're like, yeah, no, we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hold on, you just lit up. I, just, I don't understand. I thought I had you. I thought we were connecting. 
<laughs> yeah, no, we, we can't allow that, that that this venue. I was like, yo, what the fuck do you mean? Like, we were having a great conversation. It, it, it was a little rocky. It was a little rocky at first. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it just seemed like we like we had a bonding moment. And then you just let me down, like, like ever so gently. Like, yeah, no. Um, but thank you, though. Thank you for your interest. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that whole process was a shit show, man. Um, you know, because I've done, um, you know, I've done uh, professional dom work and I've done sex coaching and relationship coaching. So, you know, meeting people and meeting couples and going to people's houses, things of that nature is is fairly easy. But trying to find a fucking venue? Oh, jeez. Like, shout out to all the party promoters and planners and things of that nature. You guys are like rock stars because that shit is not easy. Yeah. Because most of the time people just kind of have to like renovate their house to become a fucking venue. Right. Or you have to be like this whole like LLC organization, like non-fucking-profit to... I don't know, like, you have the funds and you can just, like, rent out fucking hotels and it's just like, oh, okay, but even that shit's not easy after a while. You still have to be mindful of the vanilla people at those fucking hotels. Yep. Like, How I much mean, all that shit costs? Like, this is this is still not, it's not really with that, but it's still planning an event. Like, we were talking about doing the poly table talk and we were like, hey, Something like this would be really cool at the public library. Okay, let's do it at the public library. You know, we can have conference rooms. It just works. Makes sense, right? And then you start reaching out to the, the libraries. And I was like, yeah, so, you know, if you're a nonprofit organization, it's $20. If you're a for-profit, it's $500. you are like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> the fuck did we just jump all the way up here? They're like, oh, okay, well, we're not looking to make money. We're just a, just a community. We're looking to like, have a conversation around some topics that are important to us. You know, I was trying to make that, put that whole spin on in the shit. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yeah, so um, do you have a, um, a 5013C? And I was like, oh, we need one of those? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God damn, we can't win for losing. <laughs> So yeah, so planning events has been a shit show of a time um, navigating around these Charlotte streets. And that's that's exactly what I was going to ask. Do you feel like it's just mainly been complicated within like Charlotte and North Carolina or do you feel like you've had similar sh- like shit show experiences outside of the Carolinas? Well, I know outside of the Carolinas and Texas specifically there were more designated areas. It was mm. like, yo, this is this is like, you know, you want to do some kinky shit. This is already the designated kinky shit area. So, you know, I guess a lot of that legwork was already done. Um, that may not necessarily have been POC friendly or, um, you know, a safe space for POC, but at least you knew where you can go. Um, gotcha. But here, it just it seems to be like so fucking difficult because it seems like like I guess we're in like the heart of the fucking Bible Belt and <laughs> <laughs> like this shit is just non-existent. It's almost like I'm like how is it 2020 and nobody else has thought about this shit? 
Or it says other people thought about this shit and it's like, you know what, fuck that. You know what, fuck it. I'm just not going to do it. So, I don't know. But it definitely seems very more, very, much more difficult here in the Carolinas. And so even with the difficulties and the successes of hosting events and groups, I guess what advice would you be willing to share with those that want to start their own events in their own groups or those that just want to be, you know, kink friendly BDSM curators, what advice would you be willing to give them? Um, I think one of the main advices I would, I would say is to reach out and, and well, first just go for it. If, if you feel, if you see a need and you feel that need and go for it and then reach out to other organizations reach out to other um, groups and things of that nature and start forming some bonds. You know, that's one thing that I think we, we're going to have to start doing more of in, in our group is reaching out to the other, um, you know, POC groups in the Charlotte area and let them know that, you know, what our mission is, what we do, and try to see if we can do like some collaborative efforts so that way we can create more of this overlapping community um, you know, so that way it is, it is there. And so, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're a curator or you're, you're wanting to be, or you want to start something, you know, do that shit and then just start reaching out and, and let's, let's all start forming, you know, some, some, I guess some closeness, a bond or, or, you know, you know just working together because we're all really trying to, figure out how to be our best selves at the end of the day and allowing other people to be their best selves. Truly. That's my advice. And honestly, that was, that was some head on fucking advice. Cause I feel like a lot of people, it's crazy with like the amount of resources that we have and as decent of a community that we have here in Charlotte, I feel like a lot of people just fucking like, dive in head first and they just damn they make themselves look like a whole asshole <laughs> they do and they crash and burn eventually and that's my thing i i i don't want to have to learn on my own if i can learn from someone else's mistakes yes <laughs> so you know i i tell people all the time this is not a a one person show like this is a collaborative effort and if you know something or you know someone that knows something I mm. should tell them and let's let's include them um, because the more information we have the better uh, community we will be truly and so on that note I want to thank you so much for being a part of Lady Daddy Talks this has been an amazing conversation I love talking to you <laughs> you as well, Lady Daddy. Like I told you, we, this has been a long time coming. So this is this is like the highlight of my day, real talk. So I appreciate you. Appreciate you what you're doing um, for the space and for the community. Like we really need um, need you, and you've been killing it. So um, and for those who may not know, Lady Daddy does this um, dirty text message read on Instagram. <laughs> it's like fucking dope as shit. So y'all gotta like check it out. Check her shit out. Um, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know how dope she is. So, oh, um, I am blushing <laughs> so hard. Thank you. <laughs> so this is this is this is my homie. Like, 
Like, for real. The first time we met, it was like, oh, shit. Like, hell yeah. Like, this is not fucks with you. <laughs> so um, it's been a pleasure. I really thank you for, for having me on. Um, and if there's anything I can do, please don't hesitate. Let me know. Definitely. And then for for the listeners, where can people find you and your events? So you can find me. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, um, Talk Orgasms with Trip is my um, Instagram handle. You can find me. Um, we have a sex retail um, store. Currently is on pause right now with all, all the COVID stuff and just some other shit that we got going on. But um, our Twitter handle is Bell's Toy Chest. So it's like Southern Bell, so B-E-L-L-E-S, Toy Chest, C-H-E-S-T. Um, so you can find us there. If you're looking, if you are polyamorous, if you are non-monogamous, if you are um, kink or BDSM um, in that space and you're a person of color, Please join um, our community page. We have a Discord group that we can invite you to. We have a meetup app um, that we post a lot of our events on. We're on FetLife. So please definitely um, join. We, we're looking um, to, like I said, we're accepting all people of color. And if you are um, a partner of a person of color, then you're, you're welcome as well. But, you know, one of the things we do require is that your partner joins as well, and then you can join too. Because um, I really don't see why a non-person of color would join the group and their person of color partner wouldn't, um, unless there's some type of dynamic situation there. Mm-hmm. And then we and then we can have those conversations. I'm, I'm a, you can just contact me. You can, I have no problem talking to people. Um, so you can find us there. Um, I also have my own podcast. Uh, with my co-host is um, Lust Lies, Lust Lies and Libido. Um, so we're about to start putting our new content there, so you can check me out there. So um, I coach. You can just hit me up. So just if you have questions um, soon, in about a year, I'll be finished uh, with therapy school. So I'll be doing kink, um, kink aware, um, and consciously, consciously aware, culturally competently aware, kink, BDSM, and people of color um, therapy. So, so yeah, so it's a lot of, a lot of things going on. So like I said, if, if you have any questions, you can reach me at some of those places. I love the sound of that. So thank you so much once again for being on the show. And thank you, my fellow listeners, for listening while Lady Daddy talks. Peace. Come and listen while Lady Daddy reads your dirty text messages, confessions, and original works of erotica, Tuesdays and Saturdays, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Instagram Live. Just follow the cum drop trail at hashtag Lady Daddy Reads.